Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone, wherever you're listening from. Welcome back to Sophie's Stories, the podcast bringing you original, handcrafted stories right into your ear holes from my hand fingers, which I write them with. Welcome. Um, welcome back to my little podcast. Um, this is our Friday episode, taking you all the way through the weekend. So um, today's our short story episode. If you are a returning listener, thank you very much. Welcome back. If you're a new listener, welcome to our Friday episode, which I just said, but here you are. And now you're here now. So you're trapped. Um, <laughs> for any new listeners, my cadence is three times a week, roughly. Um, I usually do a series stories, a series story, excuse me, on a Monday and a Wednesday. They're two separate series. And I do my short stories on a Friday. So if you've joined me at the Friday episode, which you have, obviously, because you're listening to this episode, then you can catch up on all of my other episodes, the last two series, which are now complete. Uh, my new series, which started this Monday, called By the Sword, and all my other short stories on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Deezer. So if you'd like to go and have a look, that would be absolutely fabulous, like the 80s sitcom. If you're American, you will not get that reference, but I pray for you. Look it up. It's called Absolutely Fabulous. Jennifer Saunders and... I can't remember the other actress's name, but uh, you'll find out if you Google it. Um, so, without further ado, welcome to Friday's episode. This is our short story, which is called The Fire. I hope you enjoy. The Fire my eyes opened and failed to comfortably adjust to an assault of fluorescent lights. My glasses slid down my nose ever so slightly and I pushed them up firmly with my index finger. As I focus, I notice a whiteboard ahead of me filled with charts, graphs and instructions written in black ink. I let out a sigh that can be heard audibly amongst the 30 or so people to my left and right. A few turn to look at me before losing interest and turning back round to the front. A tall brunette man with thick rimmed milk bottle glasses ran through instructions on the board. They almost seemed suggestive the way he was talking us through them. His shoulders were slightly hunched as he seemed to get a visible shock every time he looked towards us, staring back at him. A crude drawing of an old temple jumped off the board behind him, starkly against the white background. I was engrossed in its intricate detail and enamoured by its amateur charm. The edges where the black ink scattered over the scratched board jutted out from the silhouette, making the drawing look a little hairy. 
As my mind wandered back to the speckled man droning on about something or other, I realised he was staring right at me. Jules? My armpits churned out sweat by the second, pushing cold and hot as I stared back. Anything to add, Jules? He tailed off, urging me to say something. Say anything, in fact. I looked around, mouth open, realising my input into this project was becoming a minor one. Uh, no, no, I, I think you covered everything. I clapped my hands together decisively and clasped them down on the desk. Sweat literally lubricated my palms. Milk Bottle Man turned back around to face the board and drank in the information on it before wandering out of the room via the only open door. I stood up, relieving my legs of the mini-desk prison they had been confined to for the last hour. I do not remember any of my walk home as I slid my gold key into the lock at my front door. A small tree was carved in the wood underneath my lock. With so many symbols and unknown memes, I gave up the hobby of trying to translate every one of them I ever saw. Hey, maybe they thought I was voting for the Green Party this year and to direct all flyers to this letterbox. I mean, they weren't half wrong, but they weren't half right either. The smell of freshly washed laundry and fish teamed together to form a homely and slightly off-putting smell as I made my way in. As I wandered through the hallway, I noticed that my cupboard doors were slightly ajar. Assuming my flatmate had come back in at some point, I dismissed this. As I wandered into my bedroom and looked around, my bedroom window was also open. Obviously, the smell of my socks from training had become too loud for her to bear. Fair enough. I began to peel my clothes off my body, slapping them to the floor in the most satisfactory manner. Thank... God. I rummaged in my trouser pocket for a piece of paper I'd been given that day. As I found it, I tore it from the slit and slapped down on the end of my bed. Excitedly, I pulled it open to view a small, hand-drawn map upon it. The lines slightly distorted from the many folds I had inflicted on it. I struggled to see the finer detail. My instructions were as follows. Low run towards the door. Wait for leader to kick door in. Advance past kicked in door. Run down the aisle. Make way to office and remove dictionary from purple file on desk. It all sounds easy, until you add in billowing smoke, searing heat, and an emergency service encroaching by the minute. It seemed sad to burn down such an institution as old as the temple. However, 
some things happen to be more important today. Later that night, I found myself pulling on my heaviest military boots and tying them on as tightly as I could. The house was peaceful, unassuming and deafeningly silent. When it comes down to it, you're always somehow left alone with every decision you make. This was a decision I was confident in, for the moment anyway. I got up and fluttered out of the house, hearing a van beep its horn in the background. As I ran out of my gated entrance, I looked back, hoping I would return to this quiet place again. I carried on towards a small black van, windows tinted and swung the door open. My comrades winked back at me like mice uncovered in an old discarded rug. I smile and throw myself through the door, sitting down with some impressive impact as I do so. As we sit in the dark and the heat which seemed to radiate from each of us equally filled the van, I took a second to run through the plan in my head. Low run towards the door. Wait for leader to kick door in. Advance past kicked in door. Run down the aisle. Make way to office and remove dictionary from purple file on desk. For a second, I questioned what it was that made me feel this was the right thing to do. I would describe myself as a pacifist if... I didn't have a ball grenade in my back pocket. A thought flashed across my mind. During one of our trips, I met an old woman. She sat on the floor beside the doorway to an old delivery fulfillment center, hands shackled and head dropping over her fragile body. As I saw her sprawled on the floor uncomfortably, I bent over and clasped her hands gently, wondering if there was anything I could do to ease her pain. These handcuffs need taken off for a start. As I started to speak to her, she looked up at me, eyes hooded and deep set in her face. Every line and crevice telling me another story of heartbreak. Her eyes connected with mine and during an unwavering stare and a silence that lasted longer than the Third World War, I died a little inside. She did not need to speak for me to understand her pain and desperation and anticipation of the end. One of my team came over and handed me a key to remove her cuffs. I don't know how long she was there beside us before she coughed to get our attention. Once I removed them, she grabbed my wrist with impressive force and traced the outline of a cross with a circle around it. This was the unspoken symbol for the temple we were going to tonight. The temples had long since had their own unspoken language. And tonight was when we found out what it was. Growing up, I had had a strong connection to the temples. 
Being an only child, it was often where I found company and solace, depending on when I went. I grew up with the knowledge that one being had been forged by science to be the sentient corridor between the human flesh and the universe itself. Through years of trial and error by lobotomists, I assume, to create what I can only describe as part human, part tree. Now, this being's life was coming to an end, and we intended for it to stay that way. Maybe we'd stuff him or something, put him in the museum like Dolly the Sheep, or something like that. During the Third World War, they'd been experimenting on refugees for years, cultivating newborns and separating twins at any chance they got. Often their experiments led to death and sometimes led to literally misconception. I said a silent prayer for the souls who had grown and died not understanding the world around them, simply scared and alone and left to pass through this world as quickly as they once entered it. The van stopped. I heard a deafening crash and screams as a few bystanders ran for cover. I'd love to apologise to them for the rude awakening. But that awakening was one they had no doubt already had, long before our bombs burst open the temple roof. We filed out of the van, one behind the other, boots slamming onto the ground and catching on each other's heels every step as we struggled to see through the plumes. The wooden door was already blown apart by the time we got there milk bottle must have really overextended with the dynamite. I saw my opportunity and forced my way forward, hopping over a couple of intact planks of wood between the archway. I shielded my face from the flames rising either side of the aisle and thundered my way through the noise and heat. The wedding march played in my head. Aren't you so proud of your little girl? She's finally ready to take the next step in her life. I placed my hand on the black metal handle of a small room to the right of the altar. Stupid. I burnt my hand. I threw my left shoulder into it with all my might and, to my surprise, the door gave way. On reflection, it was probably already unlocked. As I swam my arms around the grey and black haze in the room, it sifted out the door behind me readily. There it was, the purple folder. I reached out my hand and lay it on my prize. She is victorious, I thought, in third person, like a truly deranged soul. As I readjusted to grab the book, an old withered hand slapped on top of mine and began to crush my delicate fingers. 
I pulled away, realising I was pulling someone up to standing. A face appeared in front of mine, behind the wooden desk the folder was once on, and smiled menacingly through the smoke. The blackened, open mouth and white, piercing eyes drilled through the chaos as I looked on in horror. Mostly thinking of the intense dental work it would take to restore this person's oral hygiene. I snatched the folder away from whatever that was and ran for the door. Fire chasing me out, possessed by my new possession. Get out, just get out, I repeated in my mind. The fire had forced the wooden floorboards to crack beneath my steps and as I neared the door, I saw my team standing outside, willing me closer. I threw the folder out of the threshold as I lost my footing. One hand managed to reach the pathetic slabs of wood left in that space. I was being covered in ash and smoke as time progressed and I felt two strong arms grab onto me and drag me haphazardly over the threshold. I scrambled to my feet and we all ran back to the small van, peering out at it from the alleyway. Once in the van, the air seemed cool and I finally caught my breath. We'd only been driving for a few seconds when I found myself snatching the dictionary out of the folder from Milk Bottle's arms and pouring through it, possessed. Page by page went by. I saw some symbols I recognised and some I did not. Then, there it was, sitting pretty in the centre of the book. A scrawled symbol of a tree. I read down the blurb of the painfully small handwriting beside it, and it read, The one who knows enough. I thought back to the carving underneath my front door lock and sunk into my seat, clutching the pages. Blood drained from my face and I passed the book to Milk Bottle and pointed at the picture on the page. Me, I stated blankly. The van stopped suddenly as I looked through my friend's painfully thick glasses and we both looked on towards the driver, who still sat in the front seat, unmoving. The handle of the van sliding doors clicked open and I stared out. A boot entered the carpet on the interior of the van and on its side was a white outline. A circle and a cross. During the Third World War, they'd been experimenting on refugees for years, cultivating newborns and separating twins at any chance they got. Often their experiments led to death and sometimes led to literally misconception. 
I said a silent prayer for the souls who had grown and died not understanding the world around them, simply scared and alone and left to pass through this world as quickly as they once entered it. The van stopped. I heard a deafening crash and screams as a few bystanders ran for cover. I'd love to apologise to them for the rude awakening, but that awakening was one they had no doubt already had, long before our bombs burst open the temple roof. We filed out of the van, one behind the other, boots slamming onto the ground and catching on each other's heels every step as we struggled to see through the plumes. The wooden door was already blown apart by the time we got there. Milk bottle must have really overextended with the dynamite. I saw my opportunity and forced my way forward, hopping over a couple of intact planks of wood between the archway. I shielded my face from the flames rising either side of the aisle and thundered my way through the noise and heat. The wedding march played in my head. Aren't you so proud of your little girl? She's finally ready to take the next step in her life. I placed my hand on the black metal handle of a small room to the right of the altar. Stupid. I burnt my hand. I threw my left shoulder into it with all my might and, to my surprise, the door gave way. On reflection, it was probably already unlocked. As I swam my arms around the grey and black haze in the room, it sifted out the door behind me readily. There it was, the purple folder. I reached out my hand and lay it on my prize. She is victorious, I thought, in third person, like a truly deranged soul. As I readjusted to grab the book, an old withered hand slapped on top of mine and began to crush my delicate fingers. I pulled away, realising I was pulling someone up to standing. A face appeared in front of mine, behind the wooden desk the folder was once on, and smiled menacingly through the smoke. The blackened, open mouth and white, piercing eyes drilled through the chaos as I looked on in horror. Mostly thinking of the intense dental work it would take to restore this person's oral hygiene. I snatched the folder away from whatever that was and ran for the door. Fire chasing me out, possessed by my new possession. Get out, just get out, I repeated in my mind. The fire had forced the wooden floorboards to crack beneath my steps and as I neared the door, I saw my team standing outside, willing me closer. I threw the folder out of the threshold as I lost my footing. One hand managed to reach the pathetic slabs of wood left in that space. I was being covered in ash and smoke as time progressed and I felt two strong arms grab onto me and drag me haphazardly over the threshold.
I scrambled to my feet and we all ran back to the small van, peering out at it from the alleyway. Once in the van, the air seemed cool and I finally caught my breath. We'd only been driving for a few seconds when I found myself snatching the dictionary out of the folder from Milk Bottle's arms and pouring through it, possessed. Page by page went by. I saw some symbols I recognised and some I did not. Then, there it was, sitting pretty in the centre of the book. A scrawled symbol of a tree. I read down the blurb of the painfully small handwriting beside it, and it read, The one who knows enough. I thought back to the carving underneath my front door lock and sunk into my seat, clutching the pages. Blood drained from my face and I passed the book to Milk Bottle and pointed at the picture on the page. Me, I stated blankly. The van stopped suddenly as I looked through my friend's painfully thick glasses and we both looked on towards the driver, who still sat in the front seat, unmoving. The handle of the van sliding doors clicked open and I stared out. A boot entered the carpet on the interior of the van and on its side was a white outline. A circle and a cross. Thank you.